Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 151. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we marvel at the ability of the British to keep their shit together while being stuck in a Brexit and Trump sandwich this week, which is the most undignified type of sandwich. I am your host, Nagin Farsad, and I can't watch Black Mirror until everyone else watches it and tells me exactly what is untraumatizing enough for me to watch, because I made a mistake last season. Watch some things that I can't unsee, and I'm kind of ruined psychologically for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? So yes, I need other people to, to do that for me. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Mexico and tariffs, the state visit to the UK, an overlooked mass shooting, and the future of travel. Um, I'm really excited by this panel. What? Because you know what? I've known this guy for a long time, and he's so funny. He's act I mean, he's actually so funny. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the sweetest thing I've ever said about. Coming from another comic, that is that is a Every time you're like, no, this one I mean. Yeah. This one is actually this funny. This is for real though, you guys. Um No, and he's oh my god, he's he, we're lucky that he's back in town because he's been opening for Jim Gaffigan for like a million kajillion mm-hmm. uh weeks here. But he's here, he's been on all the late night shows, all of the tonight shows and the late, late shows and the late show and the all of the things he's been on. He also has a 
podcast um, called A Little Bit Me uh, that you should immediately subscribe to. Um, and he's just so great, you guys. It's Ted Alexandro. Hey, Ted. Hey, thank you so much. Um, we also have uh, Returning to the Show. Mm. Uh, you know her. You love her. She's overly attached <laughs> to her parents um, <laughs> at, a, at a ripe age. <laughs> What? No, you're very young. She's a young lady. Oh, I thought you meant them. Um, (laughs) Wow, I didn't even think you meant me. She's done her research. I'm going to go home. Um, (laughs) Like to my parents. (laughs) (laughs) She just taped for Colbert, so set your DVRs, because that's going to be airing soon. Uh, And uh, and she's just an overall hilarious woman. We've we've done shows together, both here and in other places. Uh, Average Women with Average Rage, I know a lot of you know about that. Pitch winner. Came to pitch the winner. Pitch winner for the uh, Yes and Laughter Lab. What? Maybe you'll hear about that. We'll be pitching next week. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you guys, her name is Leah Bonama. Hey, Leah. Yeah. Hello. Uh, okay. You guys, should we get into it? Should we just start? Let's do it. All right. Let us start with topic number one. Um, okay, you guys. So Donnie took his like ill-fitting suits and his tweets and his penchant for ruining everything uh, onto an official state visit visit um, in the United Kingdom, and yes, he kissed the Queen with that mouth. Um, <laughs> And now I get an acute pang of embarrassment uh, every time he visits another country. Am I alone? I guess it's just me, right? Everybody knows at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like we, no, everybody's like, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like watching your, you know, when you watch a friend do stand-up for the first time at like an open <laughs> mic night and you kind of want to kill yourself because you're like, they're not going to be good at all, you know? But they think they're killing. But they think they're killing. Yeah, oh, it's that's horrible. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's Donnie. <laughs> Um, that's Donnie, but he wields immense power. (laughs) Like many open mic nighters. Oh, yeah. Well, the embarrassment doesn't start when he lands on foreign soil, though. Like, then it's it's heightened because you know other people are watching. It's almost like... Like when you have guests over for the holidays and the uh, embarrassing member of your family is on full display. Yeah. So it's it's that kind of dynamic of like, oh, now the world gets to see yeah, what Uncle we live Donnie. with yeah, right, every right. day. Um, and I just, well, I remind myself that they're doing Brexit. They're doing Brexit. They're doing Brexit. So like they're, the, the schadenfreude of what a fucking <laughs> miserable situation that is kind of gets me through uh, the news of this week. Um, he weighed in a lot of British politics. Um <laughs> This week. Um, what do you think about I mean, he, you know, he kind of like, he really wants his buddy, Boris Johnson, to be the next prime minister. It made me, I actually laughed in an uncomfortable, horrible way, but also the USA Today <laughs> article was that, uh, that Donnie took an unusual diplomatic step. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, that is such a nice phrase for like way out of line yeah. being like, can you get my buddy in here or what? <laughs> Which, also, to telling Theresa May, maybe you should stick around. <laughs> Just stay. Why are you like, doing what you said? <laughs> it's just so ridiculous and embarrassing. Um, and, well, what's also interesting is he... He he kind of d- delivered a snub to the Labor Party leader Jeremy Corbyn, um, refusing to meet him, which is also 
He said, I don't know so Jeremy. Adult. Yeah, I don't know him, so yeah. I'm not going to be meeting him. Um, and then, of course, Corbin is uh, protested the Buckingham Palace banquet or whatever, gala ball, uh, fancy cotillion, whatever the fuck they were doing, um, because, you know, because Donnie was there. Um, and... Uh, Oh, yeah, this is what Donnie said um, about Jeremy. He said, me and Jeremy on first name basis, it doesn't matter. Um, he said, I think that he is, from what I, from where I come from, somewhat of a negative force. Yeah. I think that people could look to do things correctly as opposed to criticize. <laughs> so, anyway, From where he comes from. Yeah. I don't even know what is that. He's mean? really against criticizing. From the fucking sewage pile that he yeah. emerges from every morning. Um. He uh, Corbin, for his part, criticized uh, Trump's treatment of refugees at the border, uh, and the f- the Labor's foreign affairs spokesperson Emily Thornberry said uh, she said, and I just thought this was nice. Um, she said he's dragging your country backwards. <laughs> it's wrong for you to be as racist as you are. It's wrong for you to be as misogynistic as you are. It's wrong for you to assault women. Why should we be afraid to say those things? Thank you. That was my that impression. Was so yeah. good. I thought I was Emily Thornberry, um, whose voice I've never heard. That was just me. <laughs> I don't know what she fucking sounds like. She's, She's American. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be all right, mate. You know, she could be one of those. I have no idea. So, anyways, um, I've okay. So, here's my question for you guys. What do you? Th- I mean, how special? Is this special relationship, especially now considering the pending Brexit situation? Is it pending? I don't understand. It's taking forever. Um, so, and we've we've really like revered this relationship. We call it a special relationship. You know, there was a movie called A Special Relationship. It was actually <laughs> said in the movie Love Actually a- when um, Billy oh, Bob Thornton plays in- <laughs> the American president. <laughs> That's right. Oh and God, Hugh Grant that. is like, well, this special relationship is not so special when someone's a bully. And I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> very <laughs> prescient. Very. Yeah. Um, so, is, so what do you think of this relationship and how much is, uh, is Trump damaged? Damaging it. I, I mean, I, a lot of that is just kind of uh, advertising, right? And packaging like the special relation, like these phrases that are thrown out there. I don't know how special it actually is. It's almost like it's almost like where the where the um, face of global power mm-hmm. uh, and the baton was passed one to the other. Um, so yeah, but I don't know like how special it, it, it really is. I think it's more just kind of, um, it's just a marketing term that like, I don't, I don't see, like, I guess the relationship needs to be special in terms of like keeping the world order and aligning, you know, aligning together. But yeah, like it's, I mean, it, it's in terms of it being like a vestige of world war two, you know, like literally the anniversary that he's there for. And um, it's special. But in terms of trade, I mean, Theresa May said that Britain and the United States last year um, had a, um, it's millions to, traded $240 billion. Um, British companies employ a million people across the United States. And every morning, about a million people in the UK go to work for American employers in the UK. Um, so many people. So there's That's a lot special. of there's money. But you know what? <laughs> we have a probably more special money relationship with like Germany uh, and definitely a more special relationship with China. 
So uh, money-wise, it's kind of like whatever. In terms of like being the moral and ethical leaders of the world um, in a time of, you know, should a world war, you know, emerge? Or should we start it? <laughs> should we start should, a should we start war? one um yeah. yeah that's the kind of i mean it does it feel a, i mean i wonder now that china is so much of a bigger force it is is it kind of is it kind of silly to think that we and the uk and france are the kind of moral hold up uh, morality for the globe well, I don't think that any, you know, we clearly the- aren't anymore. We were. And then now I feel like there's, it's, I feel like it's, it's wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. We go in and who knows what's going to happen? You know, we could start taxing avocados 25%. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like we used to, it used to be like, this is a special relationship where we agree. And then now it's like, oh, you know, he's special. You know what I mean? When you have like your, <laughs> like th- th- you have like a relationship with somebody that you're like, oh, I, 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 we have a special when you kind of like hate each other, but you have to keep them close because yeah. you have no idea who's going to go off the yeah. rocker. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think you're right. And I get, and, and like Ted was saying, it's all branding. It's kind of like at this point, every, and everyone's just, sw- you know, he, it's like he, he criticized um, Mitt. Or Meghan Markle criticized him, right, um, and called him a misogynist or something uh, on aptly described him, which mm-hmm. is cor- accurate. <laughs> uh, and then she, you know, and then he meets her husband and is like, "What's up?" And you know, and of course he's grinning and bearing it, like he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to meet this man. He probably agrees with his wife. Mm. His wife just had a baby. Um, as did I, which is why me and Mar- Megan are the same. Congratulations. I, I pointed this out before. Thank you, Ted. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing feels just kind of ridiculous. And it, fe- and also the pop and circus and all that stuff just does it. It feels like part of me is like, why are they all just like, why, why isn't everything look like a, like the Google offices where people are just hanging out on bean beanbags, <laughs> like welcoming the president that way? You know what I mean? It just feels a little like, a, like a hilarious antiquated thing. Although I love tradition, whatever. So I just contradicted myself. I, I actually feel more badly for them that they have to maintain the kind of, uh, auspices of a special relationship when Trump is in office because I mean it was hard it was hard enough I think when Bush was in office for them to say like yes we still have you know a special relationship and for them to get behind uh, the the Iraq war and all you know and and to and for you know and to to send people to their death I mean yeah yeah Yeah. so that's this that's the real nature of of the special relationship you know yeah but for them to kind of have to get behind Trump as the face of America has got to be even more galling on on their end. Yeah, I mean, they they disagree on the um, nuclear deal. They disagree on trade wars. They disagree. I mean, but climate they don't change. actually. They, they they disagree on climate change. Um, although it's it's, but they're in such a shit situation with Brexit. And the funny thing is, dangling a trade deal. I mean, Britain's going to have to write like 14,000 trade deals. You know, like but he's dangling a phenomenal trade deal. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You're, you're, right. Yeah, you're missing the adjective. And, you know, it, like every president uh, since World War II has wanted a strong allyship between the UK and Europe. This is the first president that's like, no, fucking diss those guys. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, you know, we, we, it's, it's like he's he wants... 
obviously to create um, some sort of a rivalry where we have the uh, like the, it's high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to make a locker click with uh, the UK. Uh, locker click, you know, that yeah. was a phrase in high school. <laughs> I was in a locker click. <laughs> <laughs> it was not comfortable. <laughs> Um, oh, the one thing I did want to say before we move on to Mexico and tariffs, he, this is what he said about a trade deal with the UK. I think everything with a trade deal is on the table. When you're dealing with trade, everything's on the table. So NHS or anything else or a lot more than that, but everything will be on the table. Absolutely. He knows a lot of words, so it's really <laughs> fun quoting him. Um, the thing about that that I found fun- like just so fascinating is it to say that the NHS is on the table – threatens their actual health care system. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's basically saying don't have the universal health care that you have because we want to, inf- if you want a trade deal with us, we will insist on infiltrating that market and it do- and we, we, you know, we, we don't want to negotiate with, with NHS or whatever. I don't know how the details of that would work out, but it basically, you know, it wants capitalism in that health care system. Isn't that fucking nuts? Oh, it's nuts. I read that and I was like, I, I assume people are going to be like, no No, get way. the fuck out of here. I'm getting, you know, my tonsils checked. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing that people Love. are happy with. And yeah, They're for, into it. Yeah, so, but that's that's typical Trump to kind of just launch a grenade into the, the one thing that he knows is going to get a huge reaction. Right, right. No, so, and there it is. Surprising. And then get more baby blimps of himself made. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's like, I just, it's like everybody's trying, like you are saying, to behave and do what they're supposed to do around this tradition of this meeting of the two. And then you've just got this like wild child in the middle just being like, you take your health care. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah. Sadiq Khan is really short. How long is this going to keep – what did he – he called the the mayor a, loo, a stone cold, a stone cold loser. loser? Yeah. But then like he, he also talked about his height, right? He, I think he said like uh, – <laughs> it was such a weird criticism. It was something like Bill de Blasio it, it sucks, but uh, at least uh, Sadiq Khan <laughs> isn't uh, – is, you know, at least he's taller than Sadiq Khan or something like that. What? Are we announcing like a wrestling match? It's just <laughs> wild. <laughs> stone cold loser. So cool loser. So so embarrassing. Okay. Let's talk about Mexico, you guys. So Donnie wants to impose tariffs on Mexico as early as next week. Fun. Avocado toast. We're coming for you. And um, and if they don't – and the reason they're doing it is because Mexico isn't stopping uh, migrants at the border because Mexico, as we all know, rounds up people from Honduras, walks them through Mexico, and then forces them to go into Texas. That's what Mexico is doing. Um, and so we're like, just stop doing that, Mexico, and there won't be a problem. You can um, stop the bus tours that yeah. you're taking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what, what do you think of, uh, this whole situation? Well, I don't, it's, it's fascinating to me how Mexico has become so central in like America's global politics now. I don't think I ever heard Mexico mentioned hardly during the Obama years or prior or the Bush years, but like between the wall. I think the there wall, was like maybe a Cinco de Mayo tweet from the White House. <laughs> yes. That's true. All right, That's Ted, true. Pushing let's give beer. him credit. Yeah. <laughs> But like, you know, between the wall and and now the tariffs, it's like he's just kind of uh, vilifying brown people like in this way that I think it's just a convenient – it's kind of like playing to his base I think is like when you zoom out, like he's just trying to 
you know, make it look like Mexico is this gateway for brown criminals to get into mm-hmm. America one way or another. He's riling people up. And then the, yeah. the idea, okay, because what do you want? By the way, there were talks, um, I think, last night or whatever between Pence and um, Pompeo and Mexican officials. As long as there wasn't a woman in the room. There was no, uh, no, 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 don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Mom mom would have (laughs) been there. Um, Mother, mother. Mother. (laughs) Only casually at home does he refer to her as mom. Um, But uh, no, so those talks fell apart because what they want is for Mexico to be like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We'll take care of it. And we'll take care of it by June 10th or I think that's the date, June 12th or something. It's literally, yeah. And and, and they gave them like two weeks notice. What? I mean, the problem with the the migrant crisis, and I do think crisis is a strong word because it's kind of these things are cyclical, whatever. But the migrant situation is not something that can be dealt with in two weeks. Right? Like Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree to that. And it's not something that is like Mexico alone. It requires, I think, uni- international, um, multi, a multilateral international humanitarian approach. And those things like take a lot of time and they require infrastructure building in like Honduras and El Salvador. They require resources that those countries don't have because those are the countries that are being too dominated right now by like very powerful gangs and drug cartels. And that's why we're seeing these migrants come over the border. And then Mexico doesn't necessarily have the resources to single handedly deal with drug cartels in, in, in the violence coming out of Honduras and El Salvador, right? So, like, a lot of countries need to be involved in helping this situation, right? And so, to, so like, levy attacks that would affect American consumers, I don't understand how that helps anybody. Well, I've, I, I mean, obviously, but also we, I mean, but just it's in every situation we've created this environment where we can't have a discussion. And like you're saying, this to actually work on this situation, we need to have what you're saying, infrastructure, people to sit down, work together, be like, how is this the thing that we could work on and make better? And now everything's like catchphrases and anger and and who's the villain and who's the good guy. So it's like we've put ourselves in a position where we can't actually fix things. Um. Which is, I think, going to be, unless that's somehow remedied across the board, this is going to be our our downfall. Um, I also think it's funny that, like, all the states this is going to affect, like, Texas, who's going to get, you know, all their economy is going to get blown up. Ted Cruz, uh, never a good relationship with Donald Trump. It, they're all like, this is bad. And all the states that are, like, Montana and so far away are like, we'll support you. <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> you're, like, you're literally on the other side of the country. This says nothing. Right, right. Um, and, and and the GOP is against, I mean, GOP senators are against yeah, this like, plan. Yeah, they're like, no, muy I mean, malo. T- totally. Ted Cruz mm-hmm. said something like, he, he called it a $30 billion tax increase on Texans. Um, Mitch McConnell uh, is, you know, against it. Um, everyone's against it. And then the talks fell apart yesterday. So I don't know. Uh, the So what could happen is um, that Congress 
could do something. Now, I don't want to get everyone <laughs> excited <Stop> here. <laughs> could do something that would then be vetoed by the president, but then would require a two-thirds, you know, um, majority to to overrule the veto. I actually think that they might have those numbers. I do too. It seems people mm-hmm. are really against it. Seems really against it. Which uh, is saying so. If, if yeah. Republicans are willing to line up against Trump, that means they, you know, they, they really are willing to dig in on this because typically they'll fall in line. With yeah, because you're messing with their money is what it means. Right. And the other thing that's really interesting is the USMCA, which is like NAFTA version 2.0, um, has not been ratified. It's not it's, – it's because we – put together the thing everyone's really excited and they're like oh it looks a lot like nafta so we're cool with it um and then we put a tariff on steel and the mexico and canada are like wait a second i thought the whole point was that we don't fucking do the tariffs right <laughs> and so we just lifted that we just worked that out a couple weeks ago literally a couple weeks ago and then now stirred the pot again with this shit so i don't know I don't know. Uh, but my point is we don't – it's not like we have USMCA in place. So there's also that. And it's not like Mexico can, as you were saying, do anything. They are like – most of their f- forces are dealing further with south their own with shit. their own shit. Yeah. What are they going to do? Stand and hold hands across the – do a Red Rover, Red Rover situation? You know what I mean? People <laughs> – You should be writing uh, – It's not fixable. You should be writing policy. <laughs> that, that is actually a really, really good brilliant. Donald Trump policy. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we not setting up a Red Rover, Red Rover situation? And then you can say – Uh, can Juan come over no he can't and we're all holding hands so he can't make it through um, so my last question for you guys on this is uh, where do you think any of this lands with voters well I I think it it likely breaks down along party lines of of who you voted for you know like his base is gonna say like yeah that's right yeah screw Mexico screw the you know, the violent criminals that they're allowing mm-hmm. through. They're just a gateway for the the worst element to get into our, you know, like they're going to just spout the things that he spouts. And then people that are Democrats or, or further left or even, you know, centrist uh, will likely, A, n- not care, you know, because they have bigger fish to fry or, or just things that are more of a focus. You know, so it's likely to just fall... But his his voters just, I think, go for all of the red meat that he throws, you know, of uh, anything vilifying Mexico, Mexicans, you know, brown people, generally speaking, they they eat it up. So I think it, it, it'll just fall along party lines. Uh, Leah, do you think uh, – but if you're a Texan, Leah, I think if you're a Texan, even Republican Texans are like, this is getting, a bad you're idea. A bunch of, right. It's, you're going to lose border, money. Border states – I mean, because other states will also lose money in the immediate term. It, there's like uh, Michigan and there's a few other states that in the immediate term would see uh, uh, these penalties. Um, but so if you're Texas, what do you think? I think Texas is like, no way. And then you uh, Even think Republican like, Texas because it's affecting their day-to-day, their money – um, you know, and I think now they're going to step in and be like, hey, you're making this issue a little bit. And we're the ones who are going to get, I, you know, I was going to use a bad word there. Um, we're going to be penalized for this, this, you know, even if you d- thought people coming in from the border was the number one issue, this isn't the way to solve it. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I think this is when centrists and even Republicans step like base, you think base people be are like, like hey, let's not. Yeah, this is not going to work, even if your goal is to stop people yeah. coming in. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I also think that, like Ted was saying, there there's so many things flying out wild right now chaos. that you end up picking. You're like, which thing do I focus on? But the, and that's every week on this show. I feel like I want to repeat the Steve Bannon philosophy, it, which was let's do as many things as we can at the same time and create chaos so they mm-hmm. don't know what to fight. Yeah. And that is exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know? It's working. And it's working because I don't know what to fucking talk about every week. <laughs> too many. <laughs> There's like both too many things, but like, no, yeah, I don't know. All right, we'll we'll keep an eye on what's going on, uh, and uh, and let you guys know. Uh, Please, but uh, you know, eat your avocados now is uh, <laughs> the my closing statement. Uh, let's take a quick break and learn about our sponsors, whom we love, and then uh, when we come back, we're going to talk um, about uh, other depressing things. <laughs> This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Prose. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, Um, Like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, The other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's 
fine. Like you can do that, but we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, and this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness for like many years because when I saw this cleanser I was like oh is this what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face that's not what I've been doing so I don't know guys and here's the thing you don't have to take my word for it in a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study um, which is like the gold standard for research studies pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it just it makes common sense pros are so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make 50 percent of your first subscription order at pros.com slash fake the nation um will be taken off that's pros.com slash fake the nation you get your free consultation and 50 percent off your one-of-a-kind formulas uh again that's pros.com slash fake the nation go and get your just super personalized luxurious skincare products and hair care products that's what i'm gonna try next so pros.com slash fake the nation today's show is sponsored by rocket money rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that's 
that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Getting into debt is easy. Getting out is hard. Thankfully, there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. Oh my God, guys, there have been times in my life where I have had high-interest credit card debt and didn't know how to get out of it. Took years. It was painstaking. Uh, I feel like Upstart.com could have helped with that. Upstart believes you are more than just your credit score. They reward you based on your education and, and your history in the form of a smarter interest rate. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. Once the loan is approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit card debt, student loans, fund their wedding, or make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. So this is what I think you guys should do. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash fake to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate is easy. It takes just a few minutes, and it won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash fake. With more than 70 sizes, including their signature half-cup sizes, Third Love designs bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit in a premium feel. Just answer a few simple questions via the Third Love's Fit Finder quiz to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Then, thanks to Third Love's 100% fit guarantee, you can wear, wash, and put your bra to the test for 60 days. And if you don't love it, you can return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. This is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own with straps that won't slip, tagless labels, and lightweight, super thin memory foam cups. You guys, I'm literally currently wearing a third love bra right now. And these claims are true. It's super comfortable. Also, I think it makes my titties look good. So anyways... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I can attest to the goodness of these Third Love bras. I actually have two pairs. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they are offering my listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash nation and find your perfect fitting bra. You'll get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash nation for 15% off today. And we are back. And before we get into topic number two, I actually wanted to let you guys know um, that I have a new column up in the Progressive magazine, um, and it's about um, giving people stable hourly um, schedules, uh, people especially in the retail and restaurant industries. And it's a a, a hilarious takedown of our um, of scheduling policies um, for those um, wage workers. And uh, and it's a really important issue, and I really want people to, like, know about it and get pissed about it. Mm -hmm. um, so please check out that article. But then more than that, um, if you – I the Progressive Magazine, I've, I've long been a fan. They've had an insane – 
insane writers, um, people like Gore Vidal and uh, Howard Zinn and uh, and Upton Sinclair have written for the Progressive Magazine. It's it's very long, um, you know. It's been around for I don't know over a century, and uh, and it's been an important voice. Um, and I just worry about all of these publications going under. <laughs> so support the Progressive Magazine by subscribing. They come out with an issue every other month, um, and it's great. And it's a lot of food for thought. And I think it'd, it'd, people of Fake the Nation would be natural fans of this magazine. So um, support it if you can. All right, let us move into topic number two. Okay, so there was another mass shooting of 12 people in Virginia Beach, and uh, it happened last week. And I was chatting with a friend the other day about, and I mentioned the shooting, and he didn't even know it had happened. And I thought, this is this is the new thing. Not that the, the, we need to talk about gun control. We need to do all of that. But we also need to just even know that they're happening because they're being now relegated to actual literal page five in the L.A. Times. It was in the not up front page news. Um, and that's just an example. I don't know where it stood in other newspapers. So my first question to you guys about this shooting um, and there's a lot of particularities, and we can talk about Virginia and, and, and their legislative response. But what what was your initial reaction to this? And do you feel – what was your initial reaction to the national reaction? Um, I, I, I think that was great that whatever that noise was, it just came out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. But really? so I broke this down into three parts in my mind, the obviously the gun control section and then um, – Fostering environments of workplace environments, mm-hmm. stresses, and then the and na- we'll get to that. Yeah, definitely. and then the national reaction, which is I don't know if you guys have read the book The Gift of Fear by no. Gavin De Becker. Um, it's one of the best books I've ever read. But he has this whole section on how important it is to not name the people that do large crimes because it makes it less attractive to other people who are thinking about it in their mind because it. You know, the notoriety and sort of like, well, I'll go down in this blaze of glory. Everybody will know my name gets taken away. So on the one side, it's horrific that it's so normal that we're like, oh, another mass shooting. But on the other side of that, there's the quality, not that we want more mass shootings, but if we don't talk about the person who did it, that it becomes less attractive to other possible serial or mass murderers because I think a part of the attraction behind it is the attention they get. Yeah. Um, but so I, and I totally hear you. And I think in Virginia, their policy was to mention his name literally once, um, and then never mention it again. And so I, um, so that's kind of how they, they handled it, uh, which I thought was smart, but I do worry that we, you know, we've become so desensitized that it's just kind of, and I, and I feel the same way about our coverage of like the wars, Ongoing wars. Um, people just don't like really internalize any of this information anymore, and and feel an, enough to rile uh, public opinion. I think that's a great point. That that that's where my mind went with it too. Is like we as the United States are purveyors of war nonstop around the, the finest globe. purveyors of war. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's our business essentially. That's you know that's our biggest part of our our. Budget is military. You know, we outspend what the next whatever it is five, seven, eight, ten countries behind us. Our military budget is is astronomical. So we're constantly 
killing people, murdering people. You know, what it's millions, right, in between uh, Iraq and Afghanistan since uh, 9-11. Uh, so, I mean, it makes perfect sense that they wouldn't cover 12 people dying. And, you know, people talk about um, uh, the mass violence, mass shooting fatigue. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, like... Same with war. It's like it, it's it's insane that fatigue. We would attach fatigue to yeah. like. First of all, we're not even participating in in these wars. You know, like it's it's other people. Yeah. But but we, being the United States, are at war. So like when we see violence on our soil, it's kind of with this uh, bowed head and like the mm -hmm. thoughts and prayers and like when we see the face of like what it looks like. Then, like, if we're lucky, you know, and it's and this is maybe an indication that <laughs> that it's not going to continue. But if we're lucky, it does get a moment of reflection. But these are the things that are going on every day, you know, around the globe in in our name. Yeah, and not not only are they going on every day around the globe, but you know, gun violence is just an everyday occurrence in the United States in every city, and and that doesn't get enough attention. Right? I think, and 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 I've always thought. I think it's really um, important for these mass shootings to get attention because it's the only time that people seem to think about gun violence because it's harder for whatever reason to get them to think about the number of people that were shot in a particular day um, because there were more than 12 people that are shot in a particular day. Um, but uh, but when it happens in these kinds of isolated situations um, and it becomes a mass shoot and it gets the designation of mass shooting, it's somehow more get like gives us pause it becomes more clickbaity news story or whatever um but it n these lives are not more important than all of the lives that are lost the all, all the lives that are lost are equally important and they're, but they they don't get our sympathies every day right um and so and now so i was like okay if we're not going to like pay attention to all of the gun violence at least these mass shootings are giving us a moment to like have a feeling about it and have some activism around it and now we're losing that too um because we're page fiving and i'm i keep saying page five as if people read on pieces of paper anymore mm -hmm. they don't um but uh but it, i think f f technically physically was on page five um but we're we're page fiving these these murders and uh it's just fucking and I don't know I don't know what we can do to get people to care more. I don't think I and I hate to say this, but I feel like once we had a group of children murdered yeah, and people were like, yeah. Oh, Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Not that they said that, but at the end of the day, if that's nothing what changes, said. that's, that's basically what, it what is. happened. That we have and I hate to be Whatever this is, but it's like it seems that the mass consensus of our country is uh, this is what it is now, because once you have kids shot and if that doesn't change it, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. then it seems like we've all decided, even though we haven't decided, but that's what that is. A consensus being like, we're not fixing this yeah, because it doesn't really get more horrible than that. No. Or the Vegas shooting. I mean, these are crazy things. Ugh. And people are just asking for basic. They're like, hey, uh, you should have a background check. That's not even 
That's not even like a thing. It's supported by, I think, 91% of people support a universal background check. It's the most popular measure. And it's literally nothing. You know what I mean? It's the the, the least amount of like, um, it's not doing much. Oh, sorry. That was in Virginia. That That number is in Virginia, just so you know. But it's like, and if that doesn't rile us to be like, this is insane and to move, I think we've become so over- we're so desensitized by all the things coming on, everything coming at us, constant social media, that it's sort of like it's like I feel it has to either come to a breaking point or we're just have we I don't know if we've given up. I think the other thing politically and in terms of like putting cultural pressure on lawmakers it in having a culture shift is like Republicans could become extremely popular if they're the ones that could stop gun violence. I mean, I think they're missing, if I wanted to be gross and political about it right now, I feel like they're missing an opportunity, you know, to be like, we believe in your Second Amendment rights and we absolutely want to maintain your thing. We just want to get rid of silencers. You know, we believe in your Second Amendment rights. We absolutely want to. We just want to have there be a universal background check. Like, I think taking a reasonable position would could possibly be extremely popular and make them, you know, I think they're I, I think we might be over, they might be overestimating the NRA base, you know, as a base of support. Well, the, the, the maddening thing is that I don't think we even need a culture shift because I think the culture already is there. Mm, I mean, in yeah. terms of the mass culture is in favor of all these things. Yeah, you're right. And that's that's what's so maddening about all of these things from from gun policy to health care. It doesn't reflect the will of the people. The yeah. people. So and what I was thinking about was a couple of weeks back, maybe a month ago, uh, a couple of kids from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas committed suicide so, uh, you know, people don't talk about no. the after effects no. of violence, too. Again, like you talk about how things are kind of tucked into page five or, or beyond. Uh, and then I, I couldn't help but think of uh, military veterans, you know, 22 a day, I think, committing suicide. So it's like obvious terrible. that exposure to gun violence in whatever form bears some long-term psychological effects and yet we're still talking about it in in the pretext of like um you know uh f- rights and second amendment and you know not taking away your your rights as a citizen yeah, yeah, you know yeah. when it when obviously you know if you care about society there has to be some yielding from the other side and say you know and people always point to australia as the example like common sense measures can can stop this. And also uh, New Zealand immediately after their uh, mass shooting, you know, um, had a legislative response. By the way, um, Governor Northam is proposing a bill that includes background checks. Um, you can only weigh one handgun a week. I mean, I feel like this, that's No, uh, is that's it a week okay. or a month? It was like a requirement that people report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The reason, what is it? Oh, what, oh that's one a month. You oh, can is it o- one a month? Oh, you re- can only get one, a, which is 12 a year. Which is 12 a year. By the way, like, who, I mean, if that's not a popular fucking part of this proposal that he's proposing, what? I was like, oh, is that really an issue for people? Yeah. I, 
Leah, I need to have one handgun for each of my ten fingers. Yeah, I, and if I can't buy um and then also But you he could, wants you would to, just have to wait ten months. <laughs> one right. a month, one a month. He also wants to include uh a ban on sound suppressors like the one that was used and purchased legally by the gunman in Virginia Beach. Um, and he wants it and he's demanding that the Virginia Assembly take a vote on it because that's the other that's like the Mitch McConnell thing, right? Where these pr- things are proposed, these there's these law, these possible future laws sitting on tables um, that just no, never see a vote. Um, and taking a vote is actually very meaningful because it forces these republic, it, it, you know, it forces Ted what you're saying, these people to say, are we what are we on the side of? And like. Actually, officially going on the record and, and saying, voting oh, is I'm, coming up I soon. believe people should have more than one handgun a month. You know, like That's say like that. Maybe in every other, every other month, say every other week, say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> say it out loud. And they're say voting right loud. soon. So, like, these people would go on record right before their seats are coming up for yeah, votes. Yeah, exactly. So, well, let's see. Hear, hearing yeah. it in that context strikes, strikes close to the heart because uh, my wife and I belong to a Fruit of the Month club. And if people. <laughs> If people took that away, I would I would be upset. So now, now I can sympathize. No, you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I hear you. <laughs> um, and and the, but let's quickly talk about the. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. What if you had like an important event and you had this great outfit? Yeah, and you, you had already bought a handgun that month, oh, and then right. you didn't have a handgun no, that matched right. this ensemble. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. see where the gray area. Like comes as in. an outfit person, yeah, I totally because you are an outfit accessory. Yeah, no, you're right. I know. And if it's red, it, ultimately it will match the the carnage. That, uh, that <laughs> I is just want to mix in with the bloodbath. Yeah, um, that's great. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I hope that Virginia delegates are hearing this because these are really great arguments to take to the floor. Um, I do want to talk really quickly about the workplace aspect of this. So this was a guy that had just resigned and then went back and and, and uh, murdered his colleagues. Um, is there something here that speaks to, like, the greater problem of the American workplace? Can we make a sweeping generalization? I mean, it seems inextricably linked to capitalism, which then ripples out to mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, when people are struggling and, and healthcare, obviously, right? All of these things are so intertwined. Yeah. It, it's hard to kind of... Uh, just peel back the the onion, but uh, obviously, you know, someone who goes to those lengths—that's that you're in, you're in pretty dire straits there. But you can't help but, you know, wonder what the uh, the v- various effects of like what the workplace conditions were, uh, what his life circumstances were. Was he not getting the medication he needed? Uh, I don't I don't know. Yeah, but. yeah, and and just what. I think workplace conditions are really um, important. And this kind of goes back to my article (laughs) that I'm promoting of myself. But but this important issue of like we have a lot of expectations of people to have jobs. um, And then when the conditions of those jobs are untenable, we're mad at those people, you know, um, for not being able to do everything perfectly, pay their rent exactly on time or, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, and, and so what, but, but we're never mad at like the employers for the, the, the conditions in, of the workplace. And that's really, and right now we're in this kind of like in the, for white collar jobs, this kind of weird, um, 
phase where we work more hours than anyone in the world. Um, we take less vacation. Um, that we're it's an it's a nation of anxiety riddled, stress riddled people sitting in cubicles, um, and that anxiety and that stress, you know, for most people comes out in healthy ways, you know, maybe a kickboxing class. <laughs> um, and then in some people with access to more violent stuff, um, it might come out in more violent ways. And so I think, you know, and it is all intertwined with the capitalist imperative, the pressure to be to have more productivity, the less pressure to work unions. on fewer mm-hmm. unions, exactly. And people are longer hours for less money. And then also, I think one of the articles talked about how um, we don't other countries like talk about health in the workplace, like your working environment being a positive place. And I do feel like in America, we sort of foster this competitiveness and like people at work can kind of like go at each other because you're like, oh, this is just a workplace, um, you know, trying to get who's going to rise up next. You know what I mean? It's very kind of a cutthroat environment that you could see. obviously nobody is condoning the behavior, but that could push a person who is, you know, working way over time to barely make their bills and has gotten more responsibilities instead of less and isn't their healthcare isn't being handled. Yeah. Um, they don't have a, 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 a protection in line to be like, we need to deal with this situation. I would love for companies to watch the great British bake off mm. and then be like, that's what, it should feel like when you're working. People are supporting each other. There's a little, a touch of competition, but it's not that serious. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if you need a hand getting your bake out of the oven. If you need a hand getting your bake out of the oven, everyone's real nice. I feel yep. like we've just gone further and further away from valuing uh, community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That And in every aspect of life, uh, from your block to your, you YouTube know, YouTube comments. People just want to shit on each other. Yeah, <laughs> no, agree. It yeah. we've that that is, I think, the fundamental problem. We've from in every aspect of life, work, life, wherever, the gym. We've gotten away from taking care of each other. Taking care of each other, which is very sad. You guys, I'm sorry. This was like such a fucking downer of a segment. <laughs> Let us move on to. I don't know, possibly another downer? (laughs) 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 Oh, there it is. Okay. So last week, everyone was reporting on the crazy number of people trying to summit Mount Everest, um, threatening many and leading to the deaths of some dozen climbers. And um, by the way, like, it's quite expensive to climb Mount Everest. Uh, And I think a lot of climbing requires some quiche. Um, And there's a lot of things I covet about wealth. Uh, But, like, extreme hiking is not one of the things I covet about wealth. (laughs) Like, I've just never got – I just don't get it, you know? But anyways, I do get – Going places and um, bucket lists and uh, and 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 exci- the excitement of travel. So I wanted to talk about that. Um, so first off, like, what did you think about the uh, crowding on on uh, Mount Everest in particular? Uh, this has been a growing. You know, my dad's obsessed with winter mountain hiking. Um, so that. he read the book Into Thin Air. I don't remember when it came oh, out, but yeah. I remember being young enough to be like, "What? Uh, people are dying." It's you know, a, 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 but um, 
It was very emotional. And but this has been, you know, for anybody who doesn't know what happens is that they have multiple groups up there. And the as you're out of an oxygen zone, your body starts dying. You have a certain amount of time. So you go up to the base camp or however, the last base camp before the summit, and you have a certain amount of time to get up and get down. And if you don't turn around in that amount of time, your body starts you you don't have enough to you die. So now there's all these people waiting. So you don't, the amount of time it takes you to come back, you, you, you can't get through. And what happens is people will be like, no, I want to go. They'll be at the time limit. They have to turn around and people will be like, no, I want to go. I came this far. It took me three years to save this money. I'm doing this. You know what I mean? And then the guys will be like, we can't make it. And then people go, you know, because they're like, I can do it. And you just, you just think you just, yeah, die. you just think that you're more powerful than nature than uh, how mm. oxygen works. Yeah. Um, but now with all the crowding, people just aren't making it and it's becoming more and more and more of a problem. It's fucking bananas. Um, now, do you think like who has a responsibility here? Is it Nepal? Like what's what should happen? Well, it seems as though like maybe we shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth in terms of if this is an opportunity to thin the herd, <laughs> people are willfully saying like, no, I can continue. It's like, well, okay, let's see, you know, like, uh, but, but, but on a serious note, that's I, horrible. I did. <laughs> it's not that bad as long as, as long as like the guides don't have to go, you know right. what I mean? If it's that's those true. people that want to do it on their own, have at it. But I did, uh. I did see something, uh, <laughs> I hate both of you right now. Continue. It's like people that want to go out in storms. You're like, yeah, but it's not just you. It's all the the nine one one people and the ambulance people that have to go get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. That's true. Yeah, and it's tied into that that extreme culture too of competitiveness and like I have to do, I have to complete it, and even people that aren't qualified or or haven't properly trained to do it, you know. <laughs> Um, I've never climbed a mountain. I can do this. I can, yeah, I yeah. got it. <laughs> but the other thing uh, in a, a piece that, that I read uh, was how uh, tourism has has exploded. Like in my lifetime, so from like 1970 to now, like I think it was 70 million who were traveling at that time, and now it's uh, 1.4 billion, billion or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like th- those numbers are like so bizarre, and you can't even re- really wrap your head around that amount of growth in four or five decades, you know, so it's, it's definitely a problem. I don't know what the answers are because a lot of these countries, uh, depend on it for their, it's their economy essentially, right? Right. So like in one, in some ways you're like, I get it, Nepal, like you need the money. Um, and you probably also need the money to keep maintaining the demand, like to, to, to keep the base camp safe and, resource rich or whatever whatever happens at that base camp i have no idea um you know to to keep everything operational to keep the trails clear i don't know i don't like clean literally up the dead bodies get, oh. i think they just leave them there <laughs> really i think if they freeze and then, they, they, oh, then yeah. they become snow of, wow hmm. they don't become snow i get how snow works yeah, but they okay. become covered in snow. okay <laughs> i don't have the facts on this let me just read yeah it. i know we none of us know what we're talking about um but i but i think you know it's so there's there's that the, the other thing is like we're sort of like putting a burden on a country that doesn't necessarily have the resources to figure that out um but there are places you know when i was when i was a young gal uh so like around 15 years ago like i went to um florence in italy with my best friend and we did a whole thing around europe blah, blah, blah. and i remember when we were in florence and 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 
and the reason I this comes to me specifically is because I went back to Florence last year. Um, and when I was first there 15 years ago, it was like we had strolls, we had sits, it was calm, it was relaxing, it was like super lovely. Um, I feel like I really got the Firenze experience, right? But when I went back, it was so crowded. I mean, it was ridiculously crowded. And the global population of middle class and above people that are able to do these trips has just increased, as you're saying. And so the issue is now, it's sort of, it's a little bit like, when I got to do it, it's because I'm from America (laughs) and we already had a developed middle class. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. too bad for you, China. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, now everybody's dealing with this. And it is literally China, right? They have such a huge population and then their middle class grew exponentially in this time. And now they want to travel to all the coveted places on the planet. Yes, it was 156 million people traveling. From China. Exactly. Uh, That's a crazy number. And, you know, and they're all going to the places that we've all been talking about for decades as the, you know, the jewels of Europe and the, you know, the jewels of nature and all that stuff. Um, And, I mean, in some ways, it's like, it's kind of like, well, we can't say don't, right? Can we? Like, no. Yeah, because you want everybody to be able to access things yeah. and you don't want it to be based on money. Um and so it's like do we do a lottery where cities are like only this many people you have to apply in advance because there's also the protecting places that are it need environmental protections that like all the walking and the traveling is going right. to ruin the place. So there's that issue and, and that I don't know what people do if they set up a only certain amount of people can come in. Yeah, I think um, like the Galapagos has yeah. a system like that. Then theirs is a very low number. And then everybody applies and it's in its random choosing. So it's not like somebody who pays the most amount of money or whatever. Um, but then it's also like the speaking to the larger thing where it's like we have a exponentially growing population across the board of people, not only traveling, but cutting down forests. I mean, I think it's a part of a larger problem we're not discussing, which is what are we going to do with so many people? Right. Uh, Right. Send them to Mount Everest. (laughs) Yeah. And can we talk about what role social media has in this? And do you feel like it's made a a difference in your, it just anecdotally in how people travel? I love that people are like pushing people out of the way to get selfies. Yeah. And then... it's, um, it, in some cases, dying doing that. Well, yeah, I mean... It, we know social- how Ted feels about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So Let him it. go. <laughs> well, I, I do think that, yeah, social media, again, is is such a pervasive part of our everyday lives. I mean, w- when we exit this building, there will there will be people taking selfies, you know, in the park. So it's just like everywhere you look, people are going to... It's like that lifestyle envy thing of like you want especially if you're traveling, right? There, it's probably a com- combination of wanting others to see uh, what a good time you're having and also just that you're lonely and that you want <laughs> to connect <laughs> and have people comment on your, on your stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that is a 
a big part of it. It's because people aren't don't just travel. They don't just travel, you know, and not documented. All of it is documented, and all of it is for the currency of likes and following, and uh, you know, hashtagging. You know, all of those things just to get people to look at you. I saw in one of the articles there was a picture of all the people in the museum. All standing in, it was in the Mona Lisa and everybody was just standing there taking pictures. And I don't know if, muse- I mean, obviously we don't have an answer for this, but I don't know if museums could be like, no more cameras. You know what I mean? You have to enjoy the art. That's a part of it. You actually have to look at it with your own eyeballs <laughs> and not take cameras out. And you know what I mean? I don't know what the, but it does she- seem like social media is taking, you know, I, I was at a concert where I couldn't see the band because the person in front of me was holding up their their phone to film it. Yeah. And I was like, you're here. It sucks when they do an iPad. That's, yeah, that's when so you're, big. It's so big. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> um, did you hear that the workers in at the Louvre actually walked did a walkout? And they did that because they were just like, this is not, this is too crowded. It's not safe. You're not handling this well. This is not how the art should be experienced or how it should be maintained. Like, and they just did a, did a nice walkout. The French are super into like protests and walkouts. Yeah. So I was kind of like, you know, part of the course. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I mean, I hate to take it here, but going back to the last segment, you know, that's the kind of thing that like if these workers at the Louvre, if one of them is is perhaps unstable or whatever, you know, that could lead to there's a shooting at the Louvre because uh, it's just become it's untenable. Just because it's too much. It's, yeah, it's mm. insane. They're dealing with this day after day of you know, the insanity and nobody's looking for a solution because, you know, like – the money that is infused to the economies from from travel and I, I was uh, I did a gig in uh, Reykjavik in Iceland. Get and the fuck out! Was it great? It was amazing. Oh yeah, my God, yeah, that sounds great. But, On my dream list. Uh, but I'm I'm reminded because did you uh, see the Northern Lights? I did not. <laughs> okay. No, the uh, the driver who took us from the airport to the hotel was talking about how tourism has exploded there. Because it was kind of their path back from the financial crisis of 2008. They just kind of... It uh, promoted Reykjavik a bunch, I remember, yeah. There's cheap flights, you know, from Mm -hmm. pretty much everywhere. Uh, But they said specifically, again, China, they're they're like Chinese tourists is really like the bulk of kind of what keeps our economy afloat. But the driver was also saying that it's like so many now that... Like some of their natural, um, I get like springs and stuff like yeah, this. They're seeing ruined. like the deterioration, yeah. you know. And, I, and not that he was even saying like these these Chinese people, just the numbers of people numbers, yeah. that are coming, you know, uh, that again have have just in the last decade just exploded. Yeah, and I mean, and I, and I, I don't mean to. I, I introduce the Chinese into this as like they're the. It's it's but a it's numbers, numbers yeah, thing. Yeah. It's not. I'm not talking about any. You know, I'm not trying to be. Yeah, no, it's because we all know. Um, but it and it's and it's just the numbers of people of a particular socioeconomic class that can afford to travel. That number has increased so much mm-hmm. um, that that they're seeing. And and at some of these places, and I can't, it may have been Reykjavik, have decided to stop advertising themselves as a tourist destination because it's mm-hmm. gotten to trying to level out. Yeah, yeah. I think also with the social media, it's. It's so new, you know what I mean? It's it's becoming so much more so quick all the time. Like I remember like five years ago, you know what I mean? And that, that we haven't gotten, we haven't learned how to deal with it yet. Like the fact that like I'll be on the stairs and somebody will be taking a picture of something on a subway step 
blocking people <laughs> trying to get in and out. And it's not like that person is like, oh, uh, I shouldn't stop human people trying to get to work because I want to Instagram this picture of a, you know, a snack cracker or whatever is happening. <laughs> but we've somehow it, this, it, it's over. And I think at some point it either has to, it's going to have to fall well, off yeah. or, you know, the world will explode. Right. Where people are just stopping anywhere and thinking, I'm going to take pictures of anything and I can stay in here as long as I want until I get the right angle and everything around me doesn't matter. Like there is something about that that has to change soon because it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, um, shit, I was going to, oh, um, what it's, I think absolutely that shit is overwhelming. And I used to not read the travel section of like any newspaper. Uh, I still kind of don't because I'm filled with too much longing to go to those places. So like mm -hmm. as a personal, like it just was, it actually became painful like, at a certain point where I'd be like, oh, this place in Peru sounds amazing. I want to go so bad, you know? Um, and I think that, you know, if I, if I did read those things too heavily, the longing would turn into action and I would be broke. Um, Which so, is the goal of a lot of these advertisements, right? They right. Ex extract your money from you. Exactly. And so I think that's kind of just like social media has become just a big advertisement for going and do, to these places. And it, and it does – I think it, f it fills people with envy of other people's lives. Um, also fills people with like – you know, a longing like, well, I could go there. Like, I could do that. I could take that selfie on, in Venice. Um, and uh, and so I think it it might actually be an impetus just for more actual travel in a way that, um, you know, so it's not only causing these weird traffic jams, but it's just causing just too much get up and go. You know what I mean? Well, it's like a, it's a fascinating cycle too because like what we were discussing before with the anxiety and the constant like stress levels that, uh, you know, that probably capitalism uh, and all of its tentacles induce and then with Trump being the face of it is further heightened. Uh, things that are an escape from that uh, become very desirable. So tra yes. travel is certainly one of them. Or like that peaceful Zen thing of like, you know, some yoga retreat or just the opposite of Trump, you know, like going, yeah, climbing Everest or, or, or just the thing that I'm going to detach from all of the things that remind me of my daily life. And travel is chief among those things. Like just like get me, get me the hell out of here, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, tra I mean, I get it. The travel is is uh, a way to do that but i yeah i just wonder if it it has become too much uh and also everybody is sent to the same places right it's I, I almost thought of like gentrification too like because it's like people get out of where they are and are funneled into cities yeah that then like the population is like maybe Displaced. moved. yeah so yeah. it's it's like, I guess, just the because, flow of because money. Because the popularity of the place. I mean, it also like Airbnb has that uh, has an effect when it comes to that stuff where mm -hmm. like it's maybe more lucrative for a property to be Airbnb than it is to just rent it to a person who wants to be a resident of that city. Um, mm -hmm. And so that ends up displacing people. And that is a phenomenon that's going on. Um, one, the, uh, the, the last thing I want to talk about here was just like the actual climate 
um, ex- climate change that actual flight is is incurring. And, you know, when the Green New Deal came out, everyone's just like, oh, we're not going to fly. OK, you know, whatever. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, jet fuel is a huge driver of climate change. Um, what do you guys think uh, when you, you know, because I just bought a flight to go somewhere and uh, we are all in flight heavy we're in a flight heavy business we have to fly Mm -hmm. a lot go places a lot um what do you think about the future of that you know i'm a big walker (laughs) (laughs) i always say can i walk there (laughs) (laughs) train travel i have said for a long time if if i can go somewhere on a train i i will you know, yeah, we just don't have this, you know, uh, we don't have a cella except for in the Northeastern well, Corridor. I was saying, I think we should just go back to, right, where were we talking about this the other day? I was like, we should just, for cities that don't have jobs, like so many places don't have jobs anymore, we'll just make, go back to making railroads. Everybody gets a great oh, yeah. wage. <laughs> and then we can all take the trains and then people have jobs. Problem uh, solved. Creating a new WPA. <laughs> People are like we don't future. want it. Oh, we want trains. We want trains. <laughs> I love trains. I love trains. I do too. I love national... when they go by late at night and you hear the noise and you're like, oh, is that the Polar Express? And you're like, it's just July, but they could be warming it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do want to let people know actually because I just um was researching this to see if there's any, you know, what airlines are doing to reduce their carbon footprint. And there's actually a new flight from LAX to Chicago using a biofuel blend for their jet fuel um, because fuel accounts for nearly 99% of the carbon footprint of flights. Uh, pure biofuel would shrink emissions 60%. Oh, wow. And using a biofuel blend can cut it by 18%. So on the flight from Chicago to LA, United is um, is is using this biofuel blend and then buying carbon offsets to cover the rest of the emissions. And then they're using electric vehicles on the ground support end, you know, the, the trucks and stuff that like shuttle back and forth on the ground. Um, to cut their emissions there. So I I felt hopeful about that. That is nice. And I think that's an indication of where it has to happen. It's not like us... You know, like we, like you said, we have to fly for work. So what are we going to do? What it's are we like, going to do? You know, yeah. so it's really incumbent upon the uh, the airline, these you know multinational corporations to yeah. figure out how how can we make it more attractive to our consumers that we are mindful of these things. Right, and I, but I also thought like there's something about having big big time people say, "I will," like you know, like your Jim Gaffigan's or whoever. Say, if you want me to come perform in your city, you need to um, include carbon offsets in the in the price. Like, and th- this is the organization that I want the that that to go to. You know, like for example, United is using um, an, a group in Peru that's trying to protect the Amazon or whatever. So, by n- not to cut trees. Yeah, I think it, it to behooves us to create a dialogue where it's attractive for companies to make those changes because they know that people will. Um, use their services because they believe in yeah. what they're doing, yeah. like cruelty-free makeup or right, 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 things exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah. If you don't buy uh, this this fuel, then we will walk. Like you said, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna be we're a, just gonna walk. we're gonna walk to we're gonna be a nation of walkers. 
I will walk to Los Angeles. By the time I get there, I will be thin enough to fit in. <laughs> On that, that could note, actually be a thing. I could be like, you're saving the environment. Starting a movie. And you're country. actually going to fit into a size four jeans. Well, uh, <laughs> you guys, that's the end of the show. We did it. How do you feel? I feel good. I mean, you know, despite the fact that it's uh, a lot of it is is uh, a little harrowing, we're talking about it. You know, that's that's half the, that's half the battle. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to solve it. Mm-hmm. Leah just wrote like four policies. <laughs> yes. I think I really get to the heart of like the most basic policy. Yeah. We need there was a train. Like the Red Rover policy, a train Rover. building program. <laughs> I mean, it was Walk really exciting America. what happened. Walk over across here. America. Walk right to lose. Yeah, to lose weight. I also think and it's good for Los people's <laughs> um, mental health. Walking is for people who are really stressed out. Oh, I mm-hmm. mean, as New Yorkers, which I actually don't ever call myself a New Yorker, as a person who lives in New York. Uh, yeah. Walking is the best. Super big fan of it. Wish all the cities could replicate what happens here in terms of the walking. I love walking out of cities because people look at you like a criminal. Like a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a full lunatic. Yeah, you're like, yeah. It's like you're the first scene in Rambo where someone's going to pull over and be like, we're, we're taking you out of town. Yeah. Uh, all right, you guys. If uh, people wanted to follow you and see all the stuff you do and, and read your funny things online and all that shit, Leah Bonimo, where would they do that? Well, since we mentioned Instagram <laughs> oh, uh, and Twitter and, you know, all my things are the same. It's at Leah Bonema, L-E-A-H-B-O-N-N-E-M-A. Nice. And definitely follow her and uh, look at all of her good works and Google videos of her. There's a bunch out there. You can spend hours watching Leah. Ooh, terrifying. <laughs> some of those have to come down, guys. <laughs> I don't know who put some of those up, but I did not give my permission. <laughs> Ted Alexandro, where do people find you? I guess the easiest place would be tedalexandro.com. And uh, I'm on social media at Ted Alexandro and uh, I have a podcast A Little Bit Me that comes out every Tuesday it's on iTunes Stitcher all of the places that you listen to stuff A Little Bit Me A Little Bit Me you guys and also look up and see where he's performing so you can see him live and in person because it's so fucking fun to do that Uh, you guys thank you so much and and you know where to find me on uh, social media and all that stuff Um, What I really want to do, though, is I want to thank the people here at Fake the Nation for making the show happen. That's Harry Nelson and our talented audio engineer, Andy Christens. Um, Gabby Alter wrote our theme music. Lily Fleshler helps with research. Um, And listeners, God, you guys have been sending me some feedback. I'm trying to uh, put some of the... uh, about topics that we should be discussing I'm trying to actually put them all to put them all together and spread them out over different shows or something I don't know I'm figuring out how to 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 incorporate so send us your feedback keep those coming I love it you can leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981 or you could drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com uh, and um, if you like what you hear please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show that's actually a thing. It's an algorithm thing. So that's it for us, you guys. I'll talk to you uh, next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.